AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Choppy trade in the grain markets with wheat higher, the soy complex lower, and corn, yeah, basically caught in the middle. But livestock futures showed a higher trend today with hogs higher for the first time in seven sessions and cattle higher ahead of the monthly feedlot inventory. Live from, uh, folks, i, I got to come clean. I don't have any kind of open. <laughs> I have no clue <laughs> to say. It's Davis Friday. disappears and the whole open falls apart. Yeah, what is going on, Big Apple? It's I know, right? It's been quite a week. But joining this us is today, AgriTalk, and yes, joining us today will be Jim Bauer of Bauer Trading, and uh, the news is with Michelle Rook. And now here's the host of Agri. You know I'm Joe Stackler. Anyway, here's the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. I'm out. Thank you very much, Big Apple. Joe Stackler, producer extraordinaire, right there, ladies and gentlemen. Let's hear it for Joe. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome to AgriTalk this afternoon. Davis has got the day, the afternoon off. Um, and will be back with us on Monday. So standing in is, of course, Michelle Rook. Michelle, how's it going? Hey, not too bad. Good, good, good. Got a cattle on feed report released just a few minutes ago. Yeah. Um, I think we've got the details here. The total number of cattle placed in December uh, at 92% of year ago levels. The trade was looking for 91%. Cattle marketed in December. 94% of year ago, the trade was looking for 94.7%. So the January 1 numbers uh, came in at 97% of year ago. The trade was looking for 96.8% of year ago. I don't see anything in there, Michelle, that's really going to make the market move come next week. Do you? I wouldn't think so. It looks yeah. fairly neutral. Yeah, it certainly does. And with the way that this cattle market has been trading here recently, uh, the the gains that we saw today were probably just some positioning ahead yeah. of the report, and uh, I think that that these numbers just kind of continue the trend that we've been seeing here for a while with that tighter feedlot inventory. The thing is that down three percent from year ago, Michelle. It feels like by the time we get to the summer, it's going to be even tighter than that, and our beef supplies are going to be getting very tight out there. So. Yeah, you would think so, and we've got premiums built into the back end of the board, kind of reflecting that. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, how you been, Michelle? Everything good? Yeah, I just got back from Morocco. That's what I heard. Yeah. What were you doing? I was with uh, United Soybean Export Council, U.S. Soybean Export Council, and the South Dakota Soybean Council. Of course, we talk about all the processing we have coming on. We're going to have all this extra meal. So we were there talking to them to try to expand soybean meal sales in that export market. Fantastic. Awesome. Do they seem receptive to the idea? Right. They import pretty much all of their feed ingredients. They're already buying from the U.S. They'd rather buy from the U.S. versus Argentina because of the quality. And so hopefully that will mean an expansion of sales for us, Fantastic. especially if we're price competitive. Fantastic. 
That's awesome. All right, let's get to the news, Michelle. What do you got? Well, export sales of wheat in the week ending on January 12th totaled just over 473,000 metric tons. That topped the high end of trade expectations. Mexico topped the list of buyers with South Korea, the Philippines, Japan falling right behind that. Export commitment 6% behind a year ago. That compares to USDA's estimate that exports will be down 4%. March SRW wheat futures are locked in a sideways trading range with the front-end month contract closing outside of the 725 to 750 range only one time in the last 12 sessions. <laughs> uh, today, SRW wheat was up $0.07 cents to 741.5. March HRW wheat futures were 16.5 higher at 8.48. And spring wheat, the March contract closing at 9.12 and 3 quarters, up 8 and 3 quarters cents. Yeah, the way that the jet is changing up here a little bit, we're finally getting a push to the upside in the jet stream or to the north in the jet stream, which means that then it dips down into the southern plains and the central plains, could bring some moisture with it and some some uh, much-needed moisture for the HRW country. So we're going to be watching for that over the next 10 days or so. Over the week, uh, March SRW futures closed just two and a quarter cents lower March HRW futures closed four and a quarter cents higher, and March spring wheat futures up five and a quarter cents. Pretty quiet week. Yep. Yeah. Corn export sales in the week ending January 12th, totaling 1.13 million metric tons. Now that easily topped the high end of trade expectations. Japan topped the list of buyers, uh, followed by Mexico, South Korea, Taiwan, even China was on the list. Uh, total corn export commitments for 22-23 are nearly 46% behind last year's pace, though, compared to USDA's estimate that corn sales will fall 22% from a year ago. A change in the weather pattern in Argentina with some drought-relieving rains, limited buying interest, but corn did trade on both sides of unchanged today, and March corn futures started the week with strong gains, then spent the rest of the week giving back that price advances. We kind of ran up into chart resistance we couldn't take yeah. out, and we consolidated under those levels. March corn futures were a penny lower, 676 and a quarter. The July futures closed at 663 and a half, up a quarter of a penny. Yeah, we've got uh, the exports, 46% behind the year-ago pace. It's one of those things that we talk about. Last week, January 12, we got 150 million bushel cut to USDA's export estimate. Right. That day, we talked to Ben Brown. He says there's another 200 million at risk wow. of coming off of that export estimate. Uh, everybody is still looking for the export estimate from USDA to come to the downside. But on the week, another quiet week, March corn up one and a quarter cents, and July corn on the week down just a quarter of a penny. You bet. Well, export sales were 986,000 metric tons for soybeans this morning. That was in line with trade expectations and were well above the four-week average. China topped the list of buyers with Mexico, Spain, Vietnam, and Pakistan also on that list. Now, bean export commitments are ahead of the year ago pace by 5%. USDA estimates bean exports will actually decline 8% from last year. Argentina, again, is expected to see a wetter pattern going forward, so it felt like we were removing some weather premium here this mm -hmm. week. But bean-growing areas of southern Brazil, Uruguay, and Paraguay are expected to remain mostly dry for the near term. USD this morning also announced the sale of 220,000 metric tons of beans for sale to unknown destinations. 
The demand, though, did not provide much support, with bean oil and meal trading to the downside. And after a strong rally on Tuesday, March bean futures drifted lower and closed near the low end of the week. March beans were eight and a quarter cents lower today, closing or settling at 15.06 and a half. July closed at 14.83, down 10 and three quarter cents. Yeah, and on the week, March soybeans down 21 and a quarter. July soybeans lost 32 cents. No doubt. Cotton exports in the week. For the week, a total 209,000 running bales. That was up sharply for the four-week average. Export commitments 19.5% behind a year ago. March cotton, 331 higher today, though, at 86.70. And beef exports, 17,000 metric tons and positioning ahead of the monthly cattle on feed report did help the complex close higher in cattle today. Feb live cattle, 67 and a half higher, 156, 62 and a half. March feeders were up 87 and a half at 180, 97 and a half. And after seven consecutive lower closes on our death spiral down in pork <laughs> or in the hog market, pork export sales, 34,000 metric tons helped to trigger upside and an upside correction. Uh, Feb hogs, 117 and a half higher at 77, 82 and a half. Excellent, Michelle. Thank you so much. All right. February live cattle on the week down $1.10. March feeder cattle down $1.90. February lean hogs lost 82.5 cents. And March cotton on the week up 441 points. Jim Bauer, Bauer Trading, next on Agritalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you're with us this afternoon as we're wrapping up the week. Holiday shortened week. And here we are. Uh, real quick, top of the hour, we got the cattle on feed report. Trade was looking for January 1 inventory of 96.8%, got 97%. Placed in December, trade was looking for 91%, got 92%. Marketed in December, trade was looking for 94.7%, got 94%. So I'm going to call it pretty much in line with trade expectations, and uh, we can go from there. So I don't, Michelle and I kind of thought or talked about, doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of price movement as a result of the numbers that we got today. All right, let's get to the guest analyst, Jim Bauer, Bauer Trading. Jim, I haven't talked to you yet this year. Happy New Year. So same to you and all your staff. You guys do a great job. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. So, start of a new year. 
I love getting somebody on that uh, has spent some time with the markets and just kind of see how your expectations for this year differ than what they did a year ago. Are are the market is are there similarities in the markets that you're looking at, Jim? Well, the first thing I want to say is, is is exactly what you just said. I had been thinking in my mind what would be the best thing to get started on this program, and you're exactly right. The thing that we've got to do right now is to make sure that we don't look back. We look ahead Yeah. because the market has already got the built-in factors already plugged in, and in my experience over all these years, no two years are alike. But I sense there's kind of a theme that everybody's going to kind of relax and try to do the same thing at the same time. And again, don't look back, look ahead and and trade it like you would trade every year on its own. Yeah. Very good. So how, how is 2023 going to be different than 22? Well, I think in last year, you were involved in the commodity business, you pretty much throw a dart and and, and it was a winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it was crude oil, grains, uh, livestock, so pretty much the whole spectrum except maybe the, the, the lumber and the interest rate affected markets. So it basically would tell me that we're still on that program that was last year was all encompassing and, and and basically this year you've got to be careful that you don't look and watch what went on last year. Mm-hmm. It's better to look ahead as much as you possibly can. Okay. So as you look ahead to 2023, what are going to be the major price drivers? Do you think? Here, I I, I don't know the answer to that, but here's how you, you would handle it. With the way I'm going to handle it, the way I've handled it over a number of years. I look at each segment, energy, livestock, grains, and so forth, like we just said. Mm -hmm. But I would try to pick out the best performing segment of that particular arena and then narrow it down and be – the word I want to use for this year as compared to last year is we're going to have to be much, much more selective on our trades and our trade ideas and basically uh, undercut your 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 major trades meaning narrow things down as much as you can until things get improved and, and it basically fits more appropriately again last year you could have just about done anything in commodities and, and you'd be right i don't think this forthcoming year is going to be that way i think you've got to be first very very selective and second uh, uh, basically under trade don't over trade Mm-hmm. And coming from a broker, that sounds unreasonable because <laughs> I'm in the business. But for the good of the customer, I think this year, as far as planning purposes, be very selective and under trade what you normally trade. Okay, now why why are you thinking that way? I mean, is it the trend in the dollar? Is it the trend in interest rates? Is it the level of interest from the speculative money? In the commodity world, what's got you as selective as you are for the year ahead? Well, if you look, for example, look at the soybean contract back in July, 
it looked like thirteen dollars was going to be going to be it. You know, mm-hmm. you you've done your marketing. Well, as we well know, we we went from four thirteen up towards sixteen. We never mm-hmm. got there, but the market took us higher than they thought based upon conditions and demand. But again, he I, I would go to each arena, pick out the top performing uh, uh, component. And then if you're a speculator, not 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 necessarily a hedger, make your decision off that. But uh, I think the great the large cycle for investing in commodities is still ongoing. But you're you're going to have to be more careful, and you're going to have to basically use some strategies that are less risk oriented than, than last year. Okay. The the trends in the general economy and the higher interest rates. How much of an impact does that have on the on, on your thoughts for twenty three markets? Well, I want to be a little bit biased. If you've heard me on radio or, or TV lately, I've been mentioning that I, every morning I drive from basically Indianapolis to, to Lafayette, and, mm-hmm. and on my way home I take the same route. And as an example, they put up a project on I sixty five. That encompasses it looks to me like hundreds of millions of dollars long term building new infrastructure uh, new highway system that needs to be repaired and basically is a major project which tells me that the economy there may be some streaks of you know of basically dangerous ongoing but in general I think the economy is better than what most people are being led to okay. believe. And I think it's basically pretty much centered in ag. My ag people that are with Bauer Trading, they're, they're rolling along pretty good. They're, they're having some excellent prices. Uh, but now we're coming into a new year, and again, we can't go back on our laurels and rest on that. We've got to rest upon what's happening not only in the United States, on a global scale, as far as how investors want to go to the commodity market, I still think uh, we're on a long-term, possibly two- to five-year program of expansion, and we know that there are certain uh, elements of, uh, of need that are going to have to be addressed uh, in the mm-hmm. next, well, basically the next six months, particularly for the ag sector. Okay. So, you know, when we look, I am going to look back for a little bit of guidance on what might happen going forward. Okay. And, and you know, 2020 was a, a, just a circus for the economy with the shutdown around COVID 2021. It was still too, there was just still too much confusion over what we should be doing as a nation and the economy still suffered through it. Then we get to 2022, and the market is and the economy is opening up here in the U.S., and we go through this rapid expansion period with the recovery from COVID shutdown really driving things, in a, and, a, and it, it heated up inflation. 2023, it, it, China is in the position that the U.S. was about a year ago. Can, can their recovery, the restart, of, of their economic activity have the same kind of effect on, on a global environment that the U S did a year ago? Well, that's a 
complicated uh, question. It's a good question, and there is an answer. But what I'm trying to say is finding the answer, you're going to have to approach the finding of that answer different than we did it before. And we may have to use different tools to make those yeah. trades. As you know, I've always been a, a seller of options rather than yep. a buyer because at times I always take away. I'm, I'm kind of opposed to the customer base buying options, but uh, if they need to uh, and they're constricted by money flows, I suppose it's appropriate. But as far as trading and as far as trying to make money, when I see that time value ticking off constantly, second by second, week after week, month after month, then you're left with nothing in 95 cases yeah. out of 100. Uh, again, I think we've got to go to looking ahead at what strategy will fit with what I, what the customer needs, not what Jim needs. Yeah. Okay. All right. I got you. Uh, we are talking with Jim Bauer from Bauer Trading. We've we've covered some of the ground that I want to cover, but we've still got some things that we need to get to. South America, Argentina is a big point of discussion. Was this week with the rains coming in? Are the rains too little, too late? Uh, could they still help out with some of the late planted stuff? We'll we'll talk about the supply coming out of South America and the impact that that's going to have on twenty three crop decisions. And then what, Jim? I want to know what what messages you are taking from the market. What are the spreads telling you? The structure of the grain markets. What's it telling you that we need to know about? Jim Bauer, Bauer Trading, here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. It is time for news of note from Pro Farmer. China's soybean imports from the U.S. dropped 10% in 2022. Brazilian imports fell 6%. Brazil maintained its 60% share of the Chinese soybean market. The U.S. share slipped to slightly under 32%. As of January 19, Ukraine had exported just over 18 million metric tons of grain under the Black Sea Grain Initiative. China's reopening from strict pandemic restrictions, as Jim and I were just talking about, is likely to add to global inflationary pressures in the year ahead. Japan's core inflation hit 4% for the first time in four decades. So maybe this decade won't be lost for Japan. China kept benchmark lending rates unchanged for a fifth straight month. That is ProFarmer's News of Note. Give ProFarmer a try. Try ProFarmer.com. 
Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. Help on the farm, somebody with a truck and two strong arms, not scared of dirt and willing to work. All right, welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Glad that you're with us this afternoon. We are in the middle of a conversation with today's guest analyst, Jim Bauer of Bauer Trading. Before we get back to Jim, I'm going to go ahead and recap where the market's closed. March HRW wheat futures, 16 cents higher at 8.48. March SRW wheat up 7 cents to 7.41 and a half. March corn futures, a penny lower, 7, excuse me. March corn, a penny lower, 6.76 and a quarter. July corn closed at 6.63 and a half, up a quarter of a penny on the day. March beans were 8 and a quarter cents lower at 15.06 and a half. July soybeans closed at 1493 down 10 and three quarter cents. March cotton 331 points higher at 8670. February cattle 67 and a half cents higher 15662 and a half. March feeders up 87 and a half cents to 18097 and a half. February hogs higher for the first time in seven sessions up a dollar 17 and a half at 77.82 and a half but a long ways to go to turn the trend from down to up. Jim Bauer Bauer Trading is our guest analyst today. Okay, so so far we talked about each year is different, Jim. Uh you got to treat it as its own year. And then it was we we kind of laughed about a broker saying, you know, maybe this is a year when you're going to have to slow your roll in commodities and maybe under trade compared to how you've done things in the past. So let's move on and talk about South America and what's going on down there as far as as crop production goes. Um, do you want to start in Brazil or Argentina, Jim? Well, I got a uh, email yesterday from a, our scout or one of our scouts in South America, and they were in a large-scale operations headquarters. They'd been out looking at fields in in the Mato Grosso, which okay. of course is the key area of production in in, in Brazil, in, in my opinion, uh, large scale. But the, the, he did mention very clearly that there was no question as far as their expectations being met on the yield. They, they were definitely there. In fact, he described part of the operation's best area as the as having fantastic yields in soybeans. Okay. Not just good, not great. Is the word he used was fantastic. And I think that's ongoing. Uh, as you know, there's large-scale operations there. Some of those fields are fifteen to 20,000 acres yeah. in one shot. And you, get a lot of, you get a lot of activity if you've got 10 combines and 15 semis sitting in that field. They can do a few tremendous numbers in a quick Trucks will chase you all day long doing that, yep. And I, I think most of, as 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 well advertised, and you've talked in your program about it before, it, things seem to be relatively okay to to good in, in most of the major areas of Brazil. Now, as you work further south, as 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 it's been dry for basically three months in a good portion, let's say at least fifty percent of Argentina, 
but they are scheduled uh, to get some precip and coming now it will still help uh, the later planted soybeans in Argentina now uh, we're, the market knows that the market's going to check on Sunday night to see if those rains are still forecast if they yep. are I that, that's kind of a negative obviously it's part of, part of which has already been dialed in but if they take that rain out and it's a disappointment and then of course we're off to the races again okay but again that's why I'm trying to say there, there's a lot of variables in here things that you know you you form you, you formulate your trading plan and you think you've got it all figured out and then, then something throws a wrench in it and you're not able to follow through uh, with what you originally tended to do but as far as South America is concerned, they're going to continue to expand, especially at this kind of a price. As you know, there's a lot of the, there are some political problems that seem to be intensifying in a good portion of uh, Brasilia and Rio, and we're going to have to watch how this political situation does finally work itself out. But as far as the farm operations, as far as soybean production, corn production in, in Brazil. It looks to me like it's going to be a very good crop. Okay. So when that expectation has been in place for a while, and I, I, I think, Jim, it's having an influence on our new crop markets and therefore is having an influence on how producers plan to, to attack and split up their, their acres for the 2023 crop here in the States, isn't it? Well, I I think we've got to give credit to the to the majority of the farm ranch people. They've gotten much much better as far as for formulating business plans and, and production plans. And of course, the harvest they've they've most most of them have got that down pat too. It, it's the unknown. It's the it's the black swan that that eventually takes people out, out of the market and, and hurts them. The market doesn't have that kind of feel to me at this time, though. It, it just seems to me if we can get China back on track, if we can get their leadership to basically open up and start building some economic foundation and growth, uh, the demand for raw materials, not just grain, but everything across the screen will come back and and, and probably do pretty good as part of one's investment portfolio. But again, I think you've got to undertrade now. And as you said, when you undertrade, that means you've got less choice and that choice has got to be right. Yeah. And that's where, you know, the analysts come into play because we spend our whole, our whole <laughs> life basically watching what is or is not going to happen. Yep. Yep. What kind of messages are you getting from the markets right now when you look at the structure of the markets and, and the spreads, Jim? Well, you know, I've always – I was trained by a couple of prominent spread traders, and I, I've, always, I've always felt that their attitude and bias was well, kind of braggadocio. But there's something about learning the spreads – that is carried over with that education that I got from them. And uh, the spreads are the language of the market. And if you, you can spend time kind of sorting through the seasonal tendencies for certain commodities mm -hmm. and blend it in with some 
looking ahead, remember I said that you got to look ahead, not behind. Mm -hmm. You should be able to come up with a pretty good plan. And then you probably have to have a release mechanism. If things aren't working, you're going to have to release that and then change what you originally planned. But again, it's an ongoing story. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the the Chinese situation has hurt us probably worse than what we think, but it also gives the potential to really come out of it. But again, my choice of plans would be to go to the select thing in, in each mm -hmm. energy sector or each sector and pick out the best and then try to formulate what you want to invest in as far as your risk dollars. Okay. Okay. Something that you talked about in the last segment, I want to go back to it. And you said you need to be cautious with options. You usually spend most of your time in options trade on the short side of it. Now, are you thinking that that long options are you saying stay out of options or are you saying consider some strategies that will get you on the long side of options? Well, options are okay for as as long as that client does know that probably close to 95% of those trades that you or options that you buy uh come under attack usually during the season because they have time value that ticks off every minute, minute by minute. But again, if you can't afford the risk of trading spreads, then it wouldn't be appropriate to put put yourself into it or, or your broker or advisor to put yourself into it if you're not uh, in a position to accept the risk. But remember, options are, are in, when you buy an option, it's like buying insurance. It, it, it does come into focus quickly when something goes wrong and it is affordable because you you didn't need it but but i just don't like a market where from history's standpoint from what i can tell somewhere close to maybe not exactly only about five percent of those trades are going to make any money mm -hmm. uh, so i tend to look for opportunities when available uh, to go in and as long as the risk is in is brought forth and the, the customer knows that the risk is there and, and you've explained yep. it to him or, or, or her, uh, I'd rather go that route. Not if gotcha. I'm out of a hundred. Gotcha. Gotcha. Got about a minute left here, Jim. A lot of analysts are bullish this cattle market for the year ahead. Are you in that group? Well, I did mostly cow calf uh, trades with my uh, operation and billings. Uh, I think basically the demand for beef is probably even better than we thought. That it seems like the, the the Chinese have pretty rapidly developed a taste for it. Yeah. Uh, and of course, cattle cattle you got to know how to handle them, and that's that's where your costs come in, and that's where mm -hmm. uh, you need to be a professional as far as that. You've got to be a veterinarian. You've got to be a marketer. You've got to be a, a, a salesman. You, you got to be able to handle veterinarian situations. So there's a lot of extra costs that go into the production of beef, yep. in my opinion. You don't really realize it, but I think over since we've had a pretty good rally, you, you, you do have the extra side. Some All right, because we're, we're not operating in low level. Gotcha, gotcha, Jim. We are out of time. Again, happy New Year to you, and we will talk with you again soon. Okay, have a great week. All right, you too. That's Jim Bauer, Bauer Trading. I'll be right back. 
here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Okay, interesting conversation with Jim Bauer. Michelle Rook is with us. The world traveling. Michelle Rook is with us. Uh, just fresh back from Morocco. Uh, interesting conversation with Jim it, with the idea that, it, you know, backing off of trade it, and being a little wary, I guess, of the commodity markets for the year ahead. I've not heard th- that kind of, uh, well, I've not heard that kind of, of comments from Jim before, Michelle. I still didn't really catch the why he is so cautious. I, it, it's got to be, as, as I took it, as, as or as I take it, it is the the general economy. Okay, it's the interest rate trains uh, uh, trend. It's the flow of money throughout the markets, not just the commodity markets, but. Um, uh, the equity markets as well is, well, is kind of how I, I took that. Yeah. And honestly, the first part of last year at the same time, we were starting to see all this um, flow of money into commodities as a hedge against inflation. So mm-hmm. I guess the reciprocal trade would be the opposite. And, yep. you know, obviously we've seen less fun participation in the commodities in general. Yeah here at the second half of the year. So obviously yep. that trend may continue. Yeah. One thing that, that we did clear up by the end is, is Jim really doesn't like to be on the long side of the options, does he? Apparently not. No. <laughs> no. But I tell you what, I, I know that he has spent a lot of time on the short side of the options, and I think it's one of the reasons that he's still doing what he's doing. And, right. and he has been uh, – kind of an aggressive op- options trader over the years. So there you go. Might be backing off. Um, you know, every year is different, as Jim said, but there are some cycles that do repeat from time to time. And one of the cycles that we've been talking about on AgriTalk, and I've been talking about throughout my career, uh, Michelle, is are the, are the weather cycles. Right. And um, I, the, for those of you that, 
that listen regularly, you know that one of my weather mentors was Elwin Taylor at Iowa State University. If you don't listen and it's the first time, hi, welcome, and Elwin Taylor is one of my mentors when it comes to uh, weather and meteorology and and, um, uh, climatology and, and how it affects plant growth and everything. So... On Monday, we had a conversation with uh, Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors. And Sean was, you know, we're, Sean is, is on board with the 89-year drought cycle. But he was talking about it as 2023 could be the year. Could be the year for to, to peak out on the, on the drought cycle. Because you go back and you look at 1934, terrific drought across the uh, uh, the Western U.S. in particular, and that that may have been the peak of the 89 cycle. Well, I asked Elwin about that this week. I sent him an email, um, and he took me back to 1847. said it was a cold and wet winter and a hot and dry summer. And then 1936, the drought was centered in Oklahoma and Kansas, but Iowa was not left out by any means. Uh so he's saying that the 89-year cycle, he's, he's thinking that it's 1847, 1936, and 2025 for the peak of this drought cycle. Okay? Um, you know, you, you, you might be wondering, how in the heck do you go back to 1847 and collect all that he data? He looks at tree rings. Tree rings. Yep. You got it. He, and and that's that's how you can go back. You know, Hackett was talking about going back to like 950 or something and, and confirming the 89-year cycle. So it's uh, we're, we're still in a, in a build-up period. And that 2023 to 2025 is expected to be, based on the cycles, a very, very active weather period. Um, and Michelle, you know, we, we had a tornado last, was it last weekend or yeah, just this last weekend in Iowa. I saw that. And then we get, we get to Thursday and we dumped about eight inches of really, really wet snow out here. So we went from one kind of one weather extreme to another. And I think based on what I, the, the conversation and the communication with that one that, that I had is, uh, Expect more of the same. Expect these weather extremes to continue right up until the the peak of the 89-year cycle. And after that, then we get into a more benign cycle and and more reliable, as a matter of fact. And if you you doubt the ability, if you doubt that there's a trend in corn yields, just wait until we get past this cycle and... At least into the 2027 year, and then the weather starts to support the kind of trend yield or gains in trend yields that uh, that we talk about on a regular basis. Right, La Nina will also be important this year. You know, Absolutely. it sounds like that is starting to wane. The sea surface temperatures are starting to maybe change a little bit. So yep. that'll be key for the rest of the southern hemisphere. Yeah, yeah. So if if we get to Enso neutral and start to start to hint at El Nino for 23, it's like Sean said on Monday. You, I'm going to rule out a drought in, yeah. in 23. 
But if we then fall back out of El Nino to neutral and start signaling a La Nina again as we go from 24 into 25, that's when it's going to start to feel real that this uh, that this long-term cycle could play out as, as it's being indicated. All right, the National Weather Service 6 to 10-day outlook. This is for January 26th through the 30th. has got below normal temperatures expected over most of the Corn Belt. Far eastern Corn Belt is looking at near normal temperatures. Mostly normal precipitation expected in, in the Corn Belt. Above normal precip in the Dakotas, Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin. So the, the central and northern production areas are at risk. Michelle, thank you so much. Have you a bet. good weekend. You too. All right. Join us again on Monday morning. Machine Repeat and a report from the Ag Resource Tour of Mato Grosso, Brazil, right here on AgriTalk.